we've been talking a little bit about like just getting started and going and picking it up along the way, um, using technique when it's necessary. But I would say, I don't know if this is a technique or just a strategy or what, but I do think that if you found yourself in a corner or you find yourself going off off the rails, sometimes the best strategy is just to acknowledge it and not take it so seriously. Just be like, look at me painted into a corner. Look at me going off track. This is just, this just happens. This kind of stuff happens. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the challenges of the creative call so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. All right, it's the start of a podcast. Welcome. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. It is the start of a podcast. It You're is right, the start Brandon. of a podcast. It is the start. It is the beginning. We have begun. Well, this one is uh, not so serious. We like to throw these in every now and then. Basically, just means that we cut the preliminary talk short and we said, let's just get into it. Let's talk. Let's figure out where we're going to go on the way there. Which is something that uh, every artist should do every now and then, you know? Mm-hmm. Just start writing the script, see where it takes you. I used to do this. This is actually how I started screenwriting, Evan. I uh, I used to just have a scene in mind, and I used to start writing the scene, and then I'd see where the scene took me, and if a story started to develop, that was a lot of how I kind of learned my chops in writing. And I find that to be useful. It's not always effective for finishing a script, though, because I would often find that I'd hit that wonderful page 30 mark where you kind of set everything up and then you're like i don't know where i'm going yeah i need to go to the drawing board and actually start this so there's a certain point where you kind of i think you have to stop and go okay what are we actually doing here what's actually going on like this has been fun exploring but i find that we do that on these episodes we usually hit a point where we go i think i know what we're talking about now i think we've we found a line that seems to be coming up yeah, uh, which yeah, we don't know yet, but we'll see when it comes up. <laughs> no, no, no. And you know, I I think that it's it's sometimes too it's it's about like you know, like for today for instance, for transparency for everybody. You know, I had like woke up, had a you know, nasty migraine this morning and you know, my my 10-month-old didn't have a very good good sleep so it's like a little tired a little cranky a little you know feeling feeling a little bit off and so you know sometimes those are you know it's it's not about fighting that that kind of thing and and so sometimes those are the situations that lead to us doing these not so serious conversations where it's like all right well let's just let's just jump in let's not kind of uh agonize isn't the right word because I don't, I, I never consider our preamble chats to be agonizing necessarily. Sometimes they go, uh, they drag, they drag at a certain point. <laughs> I'll say that not, not usually, but every now and then I'm just like, okay, okay, let's let's do something already. Let's just let's just go now. Yeah, it's like make make a decision, you know. Because we, can, I think sometimes with the, this is actually an interesting idea, creative wise, right? You're, you you're brainstorming. And you're trying out a bunch of different ideas and you're like, oh, we could go this way. We could go that way. This kind of lands in me. I kind of like that, you know, whatever. There comes a point, I think, when we do our pre-talks where we're brainstorming a little bit about what we're going to talk about and what's going on in our life. And it's a combination of that. And usually 
on those days we come up with several ideas and it's kind of like, okay, let's just make a decision. Let's like, we just got to go on, on one of these paths, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's, it's like a situation like today where, where it's just, you've got what you've got and you're just like, all right, you know, let's not beat around the bush. Let's just dive in and, and do something. And I think that that can be a very valuable thing to learn to do, especially like if you are maybe a bit of an over, overthinker, over planner, there's, there's a lot of usefulness to just seeing what you can do if you just allow yourself to just jump in. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I think I, that's something that I know I, I can fall in the trap of, of doing is, is spending too much time thinking about something and you can, I, I've often surprised myself by just jumping in and, and seeing like, Oh wow, I can actually, I can actually do more than I thought. Just, just trial by fire. And, and so I think that that's in addition to it being a, a fantastic, just sort of creative create, like just a, even a creative exercise. Cause like you were saying, I've had the same experience where I've had some idea of, of writing a script. I, I had this one idea for a script years ago, years ago. It was something I wanted to write something out of that. What's his name? Dov Simmons, Dov Simmons school of, of filmmaking. I'm like, okay, I want to write a movie like a, like a 70, like my whole idea was like a 70, 80 page script, a one location movie kind of thing, two characters, very sort of theatrical like script. And so I, I wrote the idea, the idea was essentially this, this sort of young guy, cause I had intended to play one of the roles myself was this young, youngerish guy in his twenties. This is when I wrote it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, he wakes up bag over his head, like in, in this empty room and discovers that basically like somebody's hired this hit on, on him kind of thing. And he's there with this, this hitman, and this hitman's basically just waiting, waiting for, you know, confirmation and for his cash to come through type of a thing. And then there's some twists and turns that, that happen along the way. And so like, I, I did have an idea of like where the whole thing ended and I thought, okay, well, I know where it begins. I know where it ends. So I'm just going to go, I'm just going to start writing it. And I got, I don't know how far I got into it. I think I got maybe 18 pages into it. And suddenly I was just like, huh? <laughs> um hmm where do i where do i go from here i have no idea what happens next what are they going to talk about because that was one thing where because i had worked with you on stuff i'd written some of my own stuff where i really did you know i i figured out what all of these sort of the main guideposts for the movie was in the plot and and what happens and And for this, I ran into this, suddenly ran into this problem where I was like, oh, 
yeah, this is because this only happens in like one location. There's just two characters and the things like these, these major points have to be, they have to be things that happen in the conversation. They have to be these, and, and what are those things going to be? And I didn't have any idea of what those things were going to be. And then suddenly I was just stuck Mm. and I had no idea what to do with it from there. And that's where it ended up getting left uh, at, at the time. And I never really felt compelled to revisit it, but yeah, that can be part of the problem. You know, it's like, okay, you're, you're, you're clipping along, you get 18 pages in and then suddenly complete writer's block, complete creative block, because you don't, you haven't given yourself those sort of connection points, which for me is really in terms of of how I think I've I've written most effectively when I've when I've written stuff, is that's what I need. Is I need those connection points. I I don't need to know every single little detail of everything, but I need those main connectors. Right? Okay. Here's where we start, and then it and then the next place it's got to get to is this part. Right. And the next and then it's got to get to this part and then to this part and this part and this part until finally it gets to the end. You know, it's like you got to set up all of these little sort of, I guess, little episodes that happen in 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 the film. And I mean, you could probably speak to this a, a lot more effectively than I could. But as long as I have those, then I can I can do that kind of play and just dive in because I know where I need to get to. And somehow you just find your way there. Mm-hmm. But if you, if, if I don't have those things in place there at all, like when I, if there's this huge gap between start to finish, there's lots of problems. So, you know, I think that what I'm really trying to say is, is I think that with some of those big things, those things that you really want to invest in, you want to, you want to set some things up, but if you're looking for just like a creative kind of exercise you know there's there's a lot of value to be found in just jump in just just start writing just start singing just start playing something just whatever it is and and without any expectation and you can often find lots of interesting things you probably won't have a whole thing i won't say never i won't say never because i can imagine that there's probably some absolute masters in their field who who it's so ingrained in them a lot of these things that they they can probably just do it but even then even the greats they still have a process that they they follow because they understand it's like no if i if if i don't follow this process then this thing won't happen for me the 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 magic won't won't appear for me unless i i lay a little bit of a framework, a little bit of groundwork for the magic to happen. But those jump in improvisations can often just, they can lend you pieces. I think Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, but they, they, they very often won't give you like the full, the full picture of what, of what you need, but they can definitely give you pieces, creative Mm -hmm. pieces. Well, this is a good example that you're bringing up because I feel like it relates perfectly to a lot of what we're kind of venturing into today. I, you know, something that we often say is like, you know, we we harp a little bit in these conversations, I find, 
on technique because I think we're always trying to encourage artists to not just be like, I got the silver bullet technique and now I know how to do this thing. And I think that as true as that is, I do think that there's a certain point where technique becomes like you kind of need it because you need like you need that structure. And and um, I've had writers say to me, it's like, well, it's easy for you to say, Brandon, because you already you know, you've already done this for 20 years. You already have this technique. You don't even know you're doing it half the time. So it's really easy for you to say yeah, write organically, um, which I think there's some truth to that because it is. Mm-hmm it is accurate that like when I'm writing organically at this point, technique just kind of comes into play, but like, I'm very weary of saying that I'm a technical writer. I like learning techniques, but not techniques that like are silver bullets. I like techniques that get me out of a jam. So like, when I hear your script and I go, actually, this is a pretty interesting start. I'm actually curious, where does this go and where, how does it end? I actually want to know. So it's already piqued my interest. I'm sure some people listening might've been like, yeah, yeah. Where does this go? I want to know. Like you said, you had an (laughs) ending. I want to know what the ending is. Right. Well, even if you think, you know, the ending, the ending could change, but like the first technique that pops into my mind that would solve a lot of problems is like, what's the secret that we don't know yet that needs to be revealed. And maybe there's several, that need to be revealed because those one location stories, you know, it's, you're going to have a challenge, you know, driving it by event. Right. So you need, you need um, like these, these internalized things to happen. And I love the technique of secret. I love it as a writer and I actually love it as an actor because having a secret um, it, it just creates room for twist. It creates room for discovery it creates room for rewatchability because you're like, oh, that was going on. I didn't know that. Now I do. How interesting. Of course, that's why that happened earlier. Uh, and it gives you this like kind of interesting reward. And that's just one technique, right? I don't by any means call it the silver bullet, but it's a good one to be aware of mm-hmm. that you can use it at any time. Because when you're in a jam and you're like, fuck, I don't know how to get out of this corner I've painted myself into. You go, well, what if there was a secret going on, you know, or what if there, you know, and and so then people often think when you write a story with a secret that you had that in mind. And although sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, but if like this was going on the whole time, but no one realized it, and then we just throw that in, it kind of gets us out of this jam. And if you do it in a way where it's not really like, it doesn't feel like cheating, Um which is like that ex machina type of thing. There's like hand of God comes in and just saves the day type of, Mm. you know, if it's more like, like someone held their, their cards close to their chest and just didn't let it come out until like right about the point where the, the hitman's about to pull the trigger or do whatever that person's like, yeah, but this, and then the person's like, fuck, and they can't do it. And then that lets the story carry on because in the first 15 to 20 minutes, that person should probably have their head blown off, right? In a normal situation. But if we had some type of thing that prolongs their life and then the rest of the movie, they're riding on this borrowed time, all of a sudden, boom, you got you got the middle of the movies beginning to flourish, right? Mm-hmm. But that technique might not ride you through the whole movie, but it might get you another 10, 20, 30 pages or it might limp you through the 90 with just some more things that need to be added. Right. But this is why I love it because 
you started it from an exciting, interesting place. And I feel like so much of, particularly with writing, writers just won't start because they're like, yeah, but I don't know what I, I don't know what to do. I don't know where I'm going to go. It, it's almost better, I think, just to get started and then get stuck at page 20 or 30 and then be like, you know, and maybe you got to go back and redo a little work, but at least you kind of got things going because mm -hmm. like with your idea, I mean, I'm sure there's other people, someone might on, hear this and go, I'm going to take that idea and run with it by all means. I mean, I guess you shared it, so it's out there, but if you have a way to go with it, a lot of the time writers struggle with coming up with a good story just because they don't have a good, interesting scenario. Right. And that's the thing about writing you know, well, I'm just on this topic, just, I guess, like a podcast or like a song or like anything. Sometimes you have like one good thing about it, but not enough to make it work. But mm -hmm. that one good thing didn't go away just because you don't have it all. Like one good thing is one good thing. And sometimes you need several, I guess, but you have one good thing. You actually have one workable thing. So I feel like that's kind of like what we're doing today. <laughs> yeah. We're riding on this little one thing and it'll lead to something else, right? Yeah. Mm. And to to go back to some of what you were you were saying as anyone who's uh listened to numerous of our episodes has probably probably heard at some point we've talked about Meisner which is a, an approach to acting that I'm a big fan of and then I and then I teach and the guy who came up with this sort of technique approach Sanford Meisner he very famously said, at least in the in his circle or in the in the acting community, he said, "Acting is never about the technique." And I I would and when I say that, I extend that to to anything in any art form, is it's never about the technique. And I think that that's in, and I just want to address this because you're saying like, oh yeah, we often harp on on technique, and it's not really. I don't think it's really that we're harping on technique. The technique is 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 a tool, right? That's that's all that's all it is. is it, it's it's a tool that you may or you may not need or use depending on the situation, depending on what you're trying to do with it. That's that those things are always in service. And I think what I'm always really trying to communicate is that is that point is like it's not about the technique and. I think that that's a trap that a lot of artists fall into when they're learning about how to do what it is that that they're doing. When they're learning all these techniques and tools, that becomes about it. it becomes about that thing, and then your your voice, your creativity, actually starts to starts to disappear, right? And you become a sort of color by numbers artist creator kind of a thing which is to say that you're not really being an artist you're not really being a creator to some extent and i've just seen that happen so much and i and i saw it happen to myself where it was oh this scene isn't working i need to i need to really you know play my objective harder in this scene or whatever and then you know, it just wouldn't work and it just wouldn't work and it just wouldn't work no matter how much technique I was throwing at the problem. It it wasn't working and it's because like, well, yeah, it's because you are, you're so 
in your performance, you're so busy worrying and thinking about all of these techniques that you're trying to use that you're not alive in the scene. You're think you're 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 so and, and it's a big problem for for actors. It's like oh, I'm so in my head. I'm so in my head. And teachers scream at them. You're so in your head. And it's usually because actors are thinking so much about their technique. Mm-hmm. It's one thing. Like actors are often thinking about a lot of other things too <laughs> up on stage. Like oh, how do I look right now? And this and that and whatever. But I would say that the majority of trained actors, when they're in their heads, it's because they're thinking about their technique. It's because they're thinking about all of that shit that they had planned and written all over their scripts and and whatever and suddenly it's like you're and you're toast you're Mm -hmm. just you're just you're just totally fucked at that point because you're not you're not present you're not listening anymore you're not trusting that that work that you did is gonna is gonna show up for you which is one of the hardest jumps for an actor to take but yeah i'll i'll I'll, yeah let me say this i wouldn't say you're i wouldn't say you're 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 fucked but I, I get what I get what you're pointing to. I think if you can recognize that you're in your head and you can snap out of it, you can save yourself. Mm-hmm. You 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 can catch yourself going off the rails and then bring yourself back on and be like, holy shit, listen, just look what's happening. Uh, and then boom, and all of a sudden you can be back into it. But you have to have, you know, I think when you're careening off course in whatever you're doing, you need to not freak out. And you just need to go back to like fundamentals, basics, you know, things that things that will actually just get you back on track. It's kind of like if you're in a car and you hit ice and you start to lose control. The worst thing you can do is go, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm going to fl- I'm going to fly off the course and blah, 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 whatever. I'm going to hit the wall. Like the the best thing you can possibly do is if you start to lose control is to focus on where you want to go. And focus on, on just accepting where you don't have control, you know? And like, I've, I've, uh, I've hit ice before. And I've, I remember like this one time I was going to this job I was doing and I was turning onto the highway and I hit this patch and I was started sliding towards the median on the, on the turn. And I'm like, okay, everything slowed down. I was just like, I'm I'm hitting the wall. I just hit a point of acceptance. I'm going to hit the wall. Like that's at this point, I had no control. I was totally going towards it in that speed. And so what I did while I was doing that is, is I just stayed super calm, kind of put my wheels towards the turn I was trying to do. And I got closer and closer to the wall. This is probably all happening very fast. But to me, it was like, you know, in these moments, it's like time slows down and I could feel the wheels catch. And then they caught and just before I hit the median, it picked back up and I was able to carry on and no one knew, no one even knew. Um, And I think that's kind of one thing to keep in mind when you're acting, you could be going off course and no one knows. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) but if you can catch yourself before you hit that wall, no one will even recognize that you even lost control. They might be like, Oh, that was kind of interesting how they, you know, kind of almost, you know, Mm-hmm. wobbled a little there like but really you were just like i'm fucking in my head it right and but the audience doesn't know you have to remember the audience doesn't know even when you're writing when you're when you're doing anything they don't actually know what's going on for you they're projecting and perceiving what they see so mm-hmm. if you don't if you lose control 
as long as it's not for too long, people won't often catch it. They actually might even think it's a good thing. So, but you do have to, like, you do become, I would say, fucked when you refuse to let go of your technique and you keep defaulting back to it and you won't just let yourself be like present and, and let that kind of go. Yeah. I think certainly within, within acting and live performance like that. Yeah. There are, there are moments particularly within theater where yeah, sometimes it's it's almost imperceptible. Although there is there is one thing that I have noticed like when two actors or however many are up, but usually, you know, when two actors are up on stage performing this a sign that something something awry is happening as an audience member is when you actually check out a mm. little bit. You you just sort of stop listening. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's this weird thing. It's like when the actors stop listening to each other, like really listening to each other as an yes. audience member, we actually stop listening to what's going I've on. I noticed that. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that. It's it's an interesting thing because when you see two people really getting into something up on stage, it's it's fascinating. Like you can't you you're just you're you're glued, but when there's no real no one's really talking to each other, no one's really listening to each other, that it has that interesting effect on the audience as well so but there the thing is is like you're you're completely right is that you have an opportunity to get back into it right and it takes it takes a pretty wise actor to figure that out and the solution is quite simple which is to pay attention to your partner <laughs> Like the listening is always the way out. And that's, that's one of the first things or one of the most important things I try to hammer at, at actors is that's your primary job as an actor. That's the primary thing that's going to drive your performance is listening hmm. and really, and you know, it's, and really learning how to listen, which is also to be open and sensitive and all these like every every kind of meaning that you might be able to derive from the word listen so it's just training yourself to be more sensitive to that but on the surface we can just say listening is your primary job as an actor which a lot of actors don't even really understand that they don't really understand that because if most actors really understood that there'd be a lot of there'd be a lot more really, truly amazing actors out there. But anyhow, I digress. If you're in trouble as an actor, that's, that's when you just go, Oh, just stop, slow down. Right. And, and another thing that we've brought up before is, is, uh, the, and there's lots of stories of very seasoned veteran actors telling younger actors out there. It's like, if you don't know what you're doing, don't do anything right like just just stop because otherwise what you're you're going to be tempted to do is you're going to be tempted to try and push something you're going to be tempted to try and and make something happen force some emotion and it's going to be awful it's going to be terrible no one's going to want to see that i don't want to see that you don't want to see that the director doesn't want to see that the audience doesn't want to see it no one wants to see it 
So just stop and listen. And if you can do that, then you're, then you're back in the game. And that's one of the, the beautiful things about that, which is that, yeah, like that, that's all it takes is for you to actually just listen and truthfully respond to that next moment and you're back in it. Right. Which is it, which is why I think Meisner also compared acting or he referred to acting as a high wire act, right? Like it's, it's, you can get right back into it, right? Like, but you, you still have your, there's this, there's this point of presence and awareness and attention that you have to have that requires a tremendous amount of skill and strength to a certain degree in order to, to maintain that, that kind of a thing because of how easy it is to fall into our heads to try and, and force something to happen, to try and take this thing that we thought our performance was going to be, you know, the idea of what our, we want our performance to be and try and impose our will to make that happen upon what's going on. Like the temptation to do that is so strong and to resist that temptation and to just like, okay, here, here, here. But it, it is, it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword because it's so easy to fall off, but it's so easy to get back into it at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I think one thing is experience is such a valuable thing because you just get used to where things kind of go wrong and how to, you know, how to recalibrate and stuff. So for like newer actors and things like that, like you need to, you need to give yourself a bit of a break and like understand that you're learning you know, and, and experiences, you know, it's valuable for that reason, you know, and I think for those actors who are newer or anybody, I mean, if you're writing or making music or whatever you're doing, it's just get time doing it, do it and do it and do it. And like, start Mm -hmm. to get a feel for that because, you know, like I've driven a car, you know, most, since I was 16, you know? And so I have like a, I have a certain amount of experience of like, just the feel of the vehicle plus driving standard and also pushing vehicles, you know, to their limits, you start to learn a little bit about like what, what's possible. So when you're out of control, you kind of know how to recapture control. You know what it feels like. Mm. Sorry, my little, my little cat is uh, (laughs) trying to get in on this podcast and I've been trying to communicate to him. (laughs) (laughs) It's oh, podcast time, bud. It's podcast time. He's usually pretty good, but he's uh you know. He's all he's, uh, he's all fired up for this one. He's fired up. Well, anyway, so like my, my point is is just like with with what we're talking about, uh, like one thing if you're writing, it's good to just write dialogue scenes and not worry about what you're gonna make out of it, you know, like as a as a story. Like just write a scene, pick a situation and write that scene out. Like, mm-hmm. and one thing I found very effective and helpful for me as a writer was to write for actors to perform the scenes. And 
you just write a scene and, you know, in some ways, if it's a good scene, it doesn't necessarily have to have the whole story around it for the scene to really work. Right. You just need the right elements in the scene. Yeah. And, um, there was a, there was this, a thing I used to go to when I was younger called the cold reading series. And what would happen is all these actors would get together and writers and people would just perform scenes like ice cold. So they would grab, each person would grab a set of sides, which are uh, bits of the script scenes from the script. And they would each be given a character and then they would perform the scene and it was ice cold. So you wouldn't even find out what the scene was about until you were like halfway into it, because you'd start saying the lines back and forth. And then, you know, you start to see what was going on and you just listen and you'd respond. And it was really, it was really good. It really sharpens your acting chops, but Writers would eventually, what would happen is after we worked through a lot of the big scenes that are commonly done in acting classes, people would start writing scenes and they would contribute them to the scene list. And so when a scene was pulled, you didn't always know what you were going to get, but it sometimes was a fresh new piece of work that no one had ever seen. So while you're actually doing it, it's truly ice cold because you don't even know, like you've never seen it on a movie. It's not like, oh yeah, I'm in Jerry Maguire. Like it's not like you, <laughs> you could pick it up at a certain point, right? Like you, you know, you just, there's no way you would know and no one, no way the audience would know. Um, but it helped me as a writer in a way, because I got to see actors perform scenes and then, you know, work them out. And actually, you know, Evan, while I'm thinking about it, I was in an acting class early on and I had a teacher who really was encouraging me to to write because she's like, you have a real knack for this. You should really, you know, you should really think about writing like as a, as a part of your career. And I always wrote up to that point just so I could make a movie or, or act, right? It was like writing was a very like, it, it, it wasn't my interest. It was just doing it out of necessity. And so um, I remember I did a scene with, um, uh, or I wrote this scene and I gave it to uh a couple actors and the the actress she remembered the lines like instantly and the teacher was like how did you do that you remembered those lines so so quickly and she said it's just written so naturally she was like this is just how like this is just how i would speak and so that's why you know this little guy hey buddy come on (laughs) (laughs) it's all right charles can contribute yeah He's, uh, he's active today, but, uh, no. So you get the, my, my point is, is that when you're writing, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm just distracted here. Um, <laughs> but when you're writing for actors and you're just writing scenes and you're just trying to get the dialogue to work and you're not really focused so much on story structure and trying to make it work into something, you start to just learn how people speak and then it makes you a good dialogue writer. And so mm-hmm. something that, basically what I'm pointing to is that sometimes you just got to do something, you know? Yeah. And when you think of, and when you think of, at least in, in sort of North American or, or English language cinema, one of the most cited writers of dialogue, Quentin Tarantino, right? And, and so many of his scenes are are just this very natural kind of dialogue although i would say i would say, like there's a naturalness but there's also uh an almost a there's another quality that that tarantino 
right it puts into his into his dialogue but you know like he's not afraid to just meander a little bit like let the let the people just be people and have conversations that you might have with your with your friends or something like a conversation you might have with your friends or a conversation that you might overhear at a restaurant or something Mm -hmm. like that and and you know and that there there's that's all purposeful still too even though it's not necessarily driving the plot Right. Like that a lot of his dialogue isn't necessarily driving the plot. It's it's building relationships. It's giving us an insight into the characters as 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 an audience. And sometimes it's just it's just entertaining. Sometimes it's just funny. What they're saying is funny and it's just like this mm-hmm. is a this is a fucking hilarious conversation. Yeah. Right? And even that fulfills a purpose as well. You know, it's like it's there's something I remember this was something that uh, our our old teacher Nathaniel said in one of our classes, which was, "If you make the audience laugh right away, it's like they'll the, you'll you'll be endeared to them for the rest of the for the rest of the show, kind of a thing. Like it's a way of of getting the audience to." to kind of like you, but not necessarily because your character is a likable person. Mm-hmm. You could play like a really, you could be playing a really atrocious per- person. You could be playing the villain, but if you make people laugh and, and then we kind of like you. And then we feel a little bit conflicted about the fact that we kind of like you, you know, because of what you're doing is super shitty, but it's, so anyhow, this is all to say that, you know, a lot of times that dialogue and like how Quentin Tarantino uses it, at least for me and, or how, whether it's his intention or it's just a byproduct of, of something else that he's trying to do. You know, that's one of the, the things like when you look at something like Reservoir Dogs and that restaurant scene where they're having this ridiculous. This that's exactly ins- what I was thinking about. Yeah, this totally insane conversation about like a virgin and the tipping and like all of this stuff. Like these are all pretty unsavory characters for the most part. Like people that you really probably wouldn't want to know yourself. That you wouldn't really want to have an interaction with, have in your personal life. Mm-hmm. But you're sitting there and you're laughing at this conversation and you kind of now you kind of like these guys and and then it it makes it so that what happens afterwards you you have some sort of a feeling about it you have you feel sad about some of it you feel you know even though these are 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 people that you know like if you didn't see that side of them if you didn't see that just that human side of them you'd kind of see a lot of stuff that happens to these characters and you'd be like well who cares you're kind of you're kind of a piece of shit so Mm -hmm. whatever you got what's coming to you i don't care right but if you make me laugh you 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 connect me to uh your humanity to a certain degree and and then suddenly now it has meaning so you know, I would say that it doesn't just, it doesn't have to be laugh. Although like if you do get someone to laugh, then that's a real win. I think in general, if you can do that in life, it's very disarming, but it's, uh, it's, 
I was talking about this with a friend, actually. Um, I think it was last night we were talking about it. And we were talking about how with certain actors that we really warm up to, and he kind of used this term, which I thought was a was a good way to put it. It's like they're inviting. There's something about them that's inviting. And I think you can have a really dark kind of ugly character, but somehow they're inviting you into their world and it feels almost welcoming. You know what I mean? Like you're like, oh, okay, I kind of, I kind of get it. I kind of get where you're coming from. And like, you know, it's not like there's something about it, which is not, um, I don't know, like it's, it's, um, I don't, I don't really know, like, I don't know how to like necessarily decipher like what makes one thing inviting and something else not, but like, when you look at Reservoir Dogs, I mean, these these characters are not really good people, but the whole world and these characters in it, they are they have a quality of being inviting. Like there's something mm-hmm. about it that makes you like want to know about their world. Yeah. You know, there's just with what you're saying, what it what it says to me or what I'm I'm getting from it is there's this fascination that that we have. I mean, it's why so many criminal movies and shows get get made. Like we're fascinated by the criminal element in our society. There's something very attractive and romantic about it. And these these shows that like they allow us to kind of play in that world vicariously a little bit without us actually doing it because the consequences of that world are massive. They're, 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 they're too big for <laughs> any, for most people to, to want to have any, any dealings with it. But we want to have some kind of glimpse into that world. And I think that when these characters do something or say something that, that, yeah, like it not necessarily makes us laugh, but but something that helps us to connect to them, you know. But like a laugh, a joke, or whatever is is a simple way in which we we feel like we can relate to them, and I think it helps helps us pull. It's like, oh, okay, maybe I'm not so apart from this this person who's in, who is in a different world than me. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's it's like a thread of connection that helps me to get to get into into that place a little bit more deeply and allow me to explore that criminal fantasy for myself. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think criminal is a good like that criminal world is a good example of it, because as much as we like those shows and as much as like obviously there's a big appeal for them. It's not just that too. It's like sometimes it's other characters or situations that it's just, I don't know, like a kind of a personality that you would like to be, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I think, I think it's uh, Tony Scott Stark, Spark Stark in uh, who plays Iron Man, like the character. What's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. But Tony Stark. Yeah. Tony, Tony Stark. Stark. Okay. Yeah. So, but Tony Stark is I find a very inviting character into the world of Iron Man. 
which is like, I'm probably not going to put on an Iron Man suit and go fly around. Like it's probably not going to happen and save the world and do all this stuff. But, and also be this like billionaire that tech genius, like that's just not going to be my life most likely. So um, it's interesting in the sense that there is like, there's kind of a, I don't know, like it's, um, it's something about it where like, there is something about, I think, cinema where it can bring us to places that we can only dream of going and only imagine going. But if it's taking itself too seriously, it almost undermines the whole idea of it. And I'm not saying there isn't a place for things to be taken really seriously. And like, I think that there is some appeal for that. But if you look on on the whole, i I tend to find that the shows that work, they have a little bit of tongue in cheek somewhere. You mm-hmm. know, there's just a little bit of of humor, a little bit of lightheartedness in it. And if you don't have that, there's something that just doesn't feel right. Like if you look at Terminator mm-hmm. and Terminator 2, Terminator 1, they're both really good movies for sci-fi genre. Terminator 1 had a much darker, um, more serious tone. And 2 had a little bit more like tongue in cheek. And I think too, when people talk about Terminator, they often talk about number two, Mm -hmm. because I think that number two was the one that hit it right on the target. Number three and four and like, so, so on. They're a little, like they weren't quite, they had it, but not quite right. But two, like it just, it hit that genre. It was just like in the right, perfect amount. And it had, like, if you think about the events of the story, it's very serious. Like, you know, this, uh, this, this thing is essentially coming after it's a, it's a horrible enemy to have. And it's, it's out there trying to kill you and, um, you know, and you're on the run and it's very dangerous and all of this stuff, but there's this kind of like, I'll be back, you know, like this Mm -hmm. kind of like little bit of a little bit of a, like, banter kind of fun kind of quality to it which makes it magical and i think um i mean maybe we're a little bit we're a little bit off topic i'm not really sure but i think like when you're when you're doing what you're doing i think it's always worthwhile to like to look for a little bit of play in everything you know to not like even if you're messing up and you're making a mistake, like don't take that so serious. Like just be like, oh yeah, like I'm messing up a little bit. Like let me let me kind of get back on course. You know what I mean? Like, but I think um I've definitely had experiences where I've started to make a mistake and I've been like, oh man, I'm fucking up, I'm fucking up, you're fucking up. Like get get your shit together. And it's like that's not really that energy. It's like an energy, you know. Mm. And maybe that's part of what we're talking about today is like there's something about because we've been talking a little bit about like just getting started and going and picking it up along the way um using technique when it's necessary but i would say i don't know if this is a technique or just a strategy or what but i do think that if you found yourself in a corner or you find yourself going off right off the rails sometimes the best strategy is just to acknowledge it and not take it so seriously just be like look at me painted into a corner look at me going off track this is just this just happens this kind of stuff happens and now 
I have the interesting challenge of either getting myself out of this corner or trying to get myself back on track as opposed to being like, oh, I fucked up. I'm, I'm screwed. Everything's over, you know? Because I, I do think that sometimes abandoning your work and abandoning your process just because things aren't going as planned is a, is a mistake, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because things I, aren't starting out perfectly either, you know? Sometimes you just got to be like, okay, well, we started, so... Let's pick it up. <laughs> you know, let's just try and get it together. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, yeah, what's perhaps emerging in some of this conversation is is that uh, kind of balance, I suppose. Like there's there's always this balance that you need in order to, in order to fulfill, well, I mean, fulfills the wrong word, in order to create the greatest potential for your work, right? And you know, like I feel like this is like the other side of this exploration where it's like, okay, well, you know, you didn't set yourself up quite enough at the beginning. So now you found that you're you're running into some some roadblocks, right? That some some creative blocks that are hard to to correct for in now that you now that you've hit it not impossible but challenging challenging and on the flip side there is this thing of you can take this process so seriously and in trying to control that the creative process too seriously and and too vigorously you can lose this that other element that we can maybe just call other which for me is that mystery element and a lot of people don't like that but for me i i i i i think i used to have an issue with that but now it's something that I really love and have learned to embrace. It's actually what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to evoke or invoke, however you want to want to look at it. I'm trying to invoke that mysterious thing to show up for me creatively. And that's really what I use technique for is it's like my offering <laughs> to a certain degree to to invoke this this other element this mystery element to to come to the party and make something together and if you become too serious too rigid in in the process you don't leave any gaps for that thing to to come in mm. and when that happens i think that's where there can be a lot to be gained from just okay what whatever let's just dive in and see what happens let's just let's just go in and see what what shows up and just start without me having to think the whole thing through to the very end and see what happens because then you know because i think that that's another way you can become blocked which is again you you whatever you're doing, you know, you're throwing as much technique as you can at the thing and it's not 
and it's not, there's just something that's not coming together with it. Right. And it's because I, I, it's that genuine creative spark that you haven't allowed room for because you've tried to, to, to use technique in place of that mysterious creative element. And it can't, and technique can't do that. It can't add that special sauce necessarily to what you're doing. So you need to do something to break out of that, that rigid structure and let something kind of spontaneous Mm -hmm. land. And so just, that's where I think diving in has so many advantages where again, it might not give you the whole picture. It might, it, it, it doesn't necessarily, it, it, it won't necessarily give you everything you need to go from start to finish, but it can be the thing that gets you past the block as well, which is something I've never really thought about. You know, at the start of this, it was like, oh, if you don't, you know, if you don't set yourself up beforehand enough, you'll hit those blocks. If you don't have enough sort of a, of a process, a, a, a technique that to, so that you give yourself a sense of where you're going, you know, and give yourself a sort of some, some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Some landmarks, I guess, some landmarks along the way that you're, that you're going from one to the next to the next. If you don't give yourself enough of those, you're, you're going to get stuck. But at the same time, if you've like given yourself too many almost, right? Like if you think of it as being on like a road trip, right? And you're going from, you know, you're ultimately going from point A to point B, but along the way you're going through this place and this place and this place and this place. If you are planning, it's like, okay, we're going to stop here and here and here and here and here and here and here, 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 here. And you've done that too much. It's just like, eventually you're like, oh my God, we're stopping. We're stopping every 10 minutes, every 15 minutes. We're like, there's, and there's no room for something uh, unexpected to happen for, for these little things. Like, you know, when you're traveling, that's one of the best parts of traveling is those unexpected things that happen are those, those little restaurants, these little scenic spots that you just stumble upon these, these people that you meet that you, you didn't know you were going to meet. And if you're too, Original, it's like, oh no, we've got to get here now, and we've got to get here. We've got this itinerary, and we've got to get here now, and here, and here, and here. You, you don't have room for those things to happen because, like, maybe there's this lifelong friend that that's sitting right there, but no, no, I've got to get to the next spot to to look at it. So I'm off. You don't have that conversation. You don't whatever it is. I think it's the same way with the creative process as well. You can, you can just technique yourself, throw too much technique, be too serious about that, that you don't, you, you haven't left room for, for that other, that other thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That other thing. Isn't that it? Huh? (laughs) I mean, because like that, I mean, that's kind of, it's less woo woo. It's the least woo woo term I can think of for it. You know, that other thing. (laughs) Hey everybody, this is Evan, and this episode is brought to you by my book. 
Yes, I recently released a book called The Actor's Awakening, Connecting Spirituality to Craft. Expand yourself as an actor and your craft through a spiritual perspective. Take a journey that will explore universal philosophies and insights to help you understand human nature in a profound way and develop practices to take your work to another level. Again, that's The Actor's Awakening, Connecting Spirituality to Craft, available on Kindle and paperback on Amazon. And as always, if you like the show, please subscribe. It's kind of that, well, that other thing is kind of the magic in the bottle, right? It's like the, you know, it. it's, it's interesting, right? Because like you, with art, I find you need to be a little bit, you you need to be a little bit open and you need to let go of control because these things that the, if these things go unexplored and you stay too on point, you end up kind of like, I know this with writing, it tends to happen. It's like by rote, it's like paint by numbers quality to it, where it's just like, okay, we went here, we went there, we went there. And like these moments of, reprieve these moments of distraction almost they're they can be just so valuable in in a in a storytelling medium where i don't know like it's this surprisingly interesting and informative um side story that somehow somehow seemingly still works and matters you know like I like I think there's a balance, you know, you you don't want to get too far off the point and too far off topic. You, you know, you do got to kind of keep your focus because when things meander too much and they get too off track, then you end up nowhere. So it's this kind of balancing act of like, you know, I find that with the podcast is is a balancing act because like when we have conversations like this, you know, there's points where I'm like, oh, we could go wander off there and let's explore this idea for a little bit. But then it's like, wait, what are we talking about here? What are we actually talking about? What is the point of any of this that we're mm-hmm. actually trying to say? And, um, you know, and and I think even now, I don't know if we've totally def- defined it, but it's been interesting kind of navigating this, right? It's like we started off a little bit with like, okay, well, just like, let's just get yourself started and trust that it's going to work out. And then we start to capture something. Okay, I kind of think we're kind of talking about this. We're kind of talking about that. And then something gets said and it's like, well, let's explore that a little bit. But does it, wait, does it relate to what we were just talking about a little while ago? You know, and these are kind of questions you can ask yourself in your creative pursuits of things. Like I think with writing, you know, where you can kind of go like, what, what am I, what am I ultimately trying to do here? And if you go mm-hmm. and explore and write a scene that maybe doesn't say serve the main principal narrative, the main plot, it doesn't mean that it doesn't have a place, but sometimes you can just look at it and be like, you know what, this isn't necessary. Like later and you just cut it. It, it's, it. it doesn't hurt that you wrote it, but you might look back and be like, okay, well maybe there's a better way to achieve this goal. Like, I don't know. Like I, I, a few months ago, I was reworking a script and I'm going to get back to it. I just took a break, but the townsfolk, we've talked a bit about it. And when I reworked the first act, there was a bunch of little things that was like, actually really, like I was really happy with the way it was written. And I'm like, how am I going to edit this? This is like, everything seems pretty good. And then I just 
tried to like look deeper and really ask hard questions. And I was like, well, could I accomplish this with less? Could I accomplish this in a different way? You know, and so for example, just to give people a bit of context so they can understand what we're talking about here, in the in the context of this story, you have a bunch of kids, a group of young like a university college kids who are going on a road trip. They're going to drive down to Mexico. They're going to celebrate for spring break, come back and whatever. That's the plan. But along the way, they they take a detour trying to help someone out, gets them caught in a scenario which turns out to be pretty ugly and boom, you're into like this horror thriller type of movie, right? Um the way that we set it up was these kids are coming through, we get introduced to them and they meet this couple on the side of the road. The guy hits the woman, they stop to help her, they pick her up, drive her home and she's kind of the lure distraction that leads them to this town. In the new version, I was like, because they have this beginning scene in the restaurant, which is kind of like Reservoir Dogs. It kind of has that <laughs> quality to it, right? And I was like, I don't want to cut this scene. There's so much good stuff and so much important character development here. that would be a shame to just get rid of it. So when I was doing the rewrite, I was like, well, what if we just had the couple in the restaurant and it was happening like over there and they were not really involved with it. And then somehow through the interaction of we, we are still having their diner conversation, this whole interaction out, outside when they're leaving kind of starts to manifest itself. And then from the restaurant, we also cut a lot of pages because now they don't have to drive, see this on the side of the road, which is also a little bit randomly seeming anyway. And like it just and it cut down from what was, I think, 10 or 15 pages to probably 10 or seven pages. They literally cut it in half. And what you have now is just better writing because you have more going on at the same time, but it's not dominating, like things are happening in the background and you feel that there's this life going on beyond the life that's going on. And, you know, you got to look at it in, in terms of you're taking essentially two different things, combining them into one and making them work. And the point, though, is that, like, when we wrote the script, we wrote it this way, that we did it, and it works. It actually works the way it, it was. There's nothing wrong with it. But it's like, through experience and whatever, I looked at it and I'm like, I need to cut pages and I need to do some new things and I need extra pages to do these new things. And it's the only way I'm going to accomplish this. So where do I cut and how do I cut? Through necessity, it's a better scene. It's just a better setup. It gets to the action quicker while still managing to maintain the magic that we kind of created in the initial draft. And um, I guess my point is, is that like the source material was there to work from. And the source material came out of, well, this is our idea and let's write that down and go with it. If the source material wasn't there, you would have nothing to rework. So like, I guess, you know, as we're creating this podcast episode, right? We're, when we do it this way, we're doing kind of, we're sharing a bit of the rough draft with everybody in the first quarter to first half of it. Sometimes the first three quarters are just a rough draft. And then mm -hmm. we start to tie it together at some point. We start to go, wait a minute. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, this is what we're talking about. And this seat keeps coming up. And this seemed important. And this actually, you know, we skip out what didn't seem so important. And in the end, it all kind of comes together. 
And so I'd say one last thing on all of this, Evan, as I, uh, you know, I know some people don't like this word, but I actually, the more I, the more I, I don't know, do life and the older I get, the more this word just seems to be such a good word is the word faith. You got to have faith that it's going to work out. It's all going to come together. Just mm-hmm. keep chucking along. Just keep being persistent. Just keep sticking at it. And you know what? Have faith that if you do that and you put that stuff in, that it will come together. It will add up. It will make sense. But if you don't do anything, that's faithless because you have no faith that anything's going to happen. But you got to have a little faith because persistence is like that. You just do something and you try and you work at it and it feels like nothing's happening and nothing's happening. We're getting nowhere and it just seems pointless and meandering. And then all of a sudden, but you've worked on it for a little bit and a little bit, all of a sudden, all those little bits, they just start to add up and come together. And you're like, oh, look at this. This kind of sings, this kind of works, this kind of, you know, comes together. But you gotta, you know, you gotta just put a little in. And and maybe you don't know what you're gonna do with it. Maybe you don't know what it means. Maybe you don't know where it's going. But you just you do that little bit. You started out today, Evan, you had a migraine, and you're like, but you're here, you're ready to record, and we're like, let's just get into it. But if you weren't here, we never would record and it, you know, it wouldn't happen. You know, and so mm-hmm. it's not the ideal way to start, but we started, we pushed through, we work, and now we're here. You know what I mean? And I feel like something is blossoming out of this conversation. I don't necessarily know what it is. There's been some great <laughs> things, but something good is coming out of this. And I have faith that it will all come together in the end anyway. Well, I I mean, I think that you've been, you've what you've been saying is really interesting because I think that you are getting to what this conversation is, is about to a large degree. And, and everything that we've been talking about, like, as you said, there's this, there's this process where I'm going to try, I, I have to try and say this in as concise a way as possible. Cause I got a few ideas that are coming up at once and I know that they're connected but trying to make that connection, we'll see how that goes. But I think that, like, as f- from what you were saying, is I think that oftentimes it's that that thing of like we can stop seeing the forest for the trees, right? Which is, you brought up this question, and and it's interesting that you said it because I I jotted it down. <laughs> quietly and then you said it or something like it but it's like what is this really about right and I think that that's a really terrific question to check back in on when you're doing anything creatively like what is this really about especially when you're in that place of you're not seeing the forest for the trees anymore like you're just trying to hammer and hammer away and hammer away and just going on a a little bit of just a free form whatever like what is this really about well i don't know let's just just explore let's just start rattling some stuff out there let's try and try and see what what comes up are there any patterns are there some themes are there some things that that is there a thread that's actually connecting all of these things that i've either haven't seen or that i've forgotten or something something that you're just that 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 slipped that slipped through somehow and become aware of that and maybe that will unlock 
whatever the solution is for you, whatever, whatever the answer is. But I think that, and, and you brought in this word faith and, and this is the next point that, that I had, which is that if you have something that you've gone into just out of an interest or a curiosity, like a genuine curiosity. I think that has a lot to do with faith because you're just, because you don't often know if there's anything there. You don't often know if, if it's even, if it's even worth going into necessarily. Like if there's going to be any sort of pot of gold at the end of this rainbow, but you just go, but there's a rainbow. So I'm, j I'm just going to go. I'm going to go and, and see if there's anything at, at the end of this one. You don't know. You, you, don't, you don't necessarily know why something is, is interesting to you, why something is compelling to you. But you, by making that decision to go into it, I think that there's an element of just have some, some trust, have some faith in whatever that thing is. You don't necessarily know why it is, but it is. And through that kind of exploration, through that, like going into it, you start to discover, oh, this is what this is all about. This is what this whole thing is about. But you don't know that until you, until you do it, until you kind of just jump in and, and play with it and, and see if, if, and see what's there. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, that's so much about what this is about is just having the faith that if you follow a curiosity or an interest that it will lead somewhere and that part of finding your way there is part of the, it's, it's part of the important thing. Like, like when I think of um, Tarantino as a, as a writer, to me, he's somebody who has an incredible faith in his ability to tell a story whatever you think of him is you know it's it's irrelevant because i think the thing is is that he has a way of taking like dialogue for example going off on something and then coming back somehow to what matters and you know i mean i wouldn't say that i love it every time you know um he's he like i appreciate his work he hasn't always been my favorite and not everything he's done. I've loved necessarily, but some stuff he's done, I've really loved. Um, but I can respect the fact that like with dialogue and, and just his ability to kind of keep you engaged in a story and to tell a compelling story, you know, part of what makes his work so interesting is that it doesn't just follow some standardized thing. It's, it's, you kind of know when you see a Tarantino movie that you're probably for the most part going to be going on a little bit of an adventure. And if you think about that word adventure kind of requires a little bit of faith, right? To be like, Hey, like we're going to go, we're going to go venture. We're going to go explore. We're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to obviously face some challenges and some obstacles potentially, you know, most likely. And some things are not going to go exactly as we planned, but you know, we might take a detour and maybe um, 
you know, maybe it'll be out of necessity or maybe it'll be out of pure choice just because, hey, that's this would be interesting. Um, you know, so like, I think as we, as we work through this episode, something that's kind of coming up for me is these type of episodes where we kind of just go like, let's not take ourselves too seriously. Let's just get into a conversation and talk. I think one of the great benefits of these types of conversations has really been that we go, we're going to take some detours. We're going to go down some roads. They might even be dead ends. We'll turn around. We'll come back. We'll figure it out. But we're going to, we're going to find our way somewhere. But what we're going to do is we're just going to keep moving forward. We're going to keep moving in a direction that makes sense. And we're going to end up somewhere and we're going to be, we're going to enjoy where we end up. We're just going to try to figure out where that is. And it will be mm-hmm. interesting to us and to everybody, you know, we'll, we'll give it, we'll give it that room. And I think there's, you know, there's a time and a place. I don't necessarily think that that's always the way to go. I think sometimes it's, you know, it's better to be a little more planned, a little more clear to be like, Hey, this is what we're doing today. This is what we're talking about. But I do think every once in a while, it's nice to have a little bit of that. Okay. Let's walk out the front door and let's just go where heart kind of leads us today, you know? Mm. And, you know, I, one thing I used to love about living in the city was, or even visiting cities is that it's really good to have a day where you don't have a scheduled kind of plan where you just go today, I'm going to walk down this area that I've never really walked down and I'm going to look and you end up doing things. You end up finding cafes you never knew existed. You end up meeting people you never would have met. Um, You end up doing things or seeing things that just surprise you. And those things often form and lead to new other interesting discoveries and adventures. So I think another thing that's coming up and I'll just throw this into the pot while I'm at it (laughs) is I do think that most of us are creatures of habit for the most part, because there's a certain amount of predictability and comfort that we want in our lives. And I think that we will, if you look at yourself, you probably will notice that you do a lot of the same things over and over and over again. You know, you tend to sleep on the same side of the bed. You tend to take the same sock off, you know, first, you know, this like stuff like this. You just notice that you probably do a lot of stuff kind of the same way, put your shoes in the same spots, do the same things all the time. Um, or even if you misplace, you always lose your keys. You know, you just always put them in a rent, like it, but it's still consistent. You know what I mean? And so there's a, there's a habit pattern breaking thing that comes with exploratory stuff like this too, where you can kind of go like, Hey, like maybe I can break away a little bit from how I always do things, you know? And maybe you find something in that new adventure that you want to kind of incorporate and take back to your pattern and you go, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this more. Yeah. Well, that's because I mean, that is how, how you, how you move away from, from just falling into like the formulas. That's how you actually stand a chance at, at doing something, something that's actually original is you've got to be, you've got to be a little bit of, um, I don't know, a kook to a certain degree, (laughs) you know, like that, that, that's how you, how that other thing comes in. Because again, like the, 
the the sort of if you're too stuck on on technique and things you'll you'll create a lot of things that are a lot like what a lot of other people do Brandon yeah. you've probably heard this before and uh, we've been talking a lot about writing but there's that old saying of like write write a movie that you would like to see and I think that that's another way of really saying like write write something that actually interests you that actually really interests you because if you're not writing something that actually interests you you've got no you've got no chance at at that other thing coming in right that might just blow everybody's minds you know like one of those people who does something and that and, and sets an entirely new trend you know like instead of someone who follows one but who actually who actually sets something and i think it comes out of that that genuine curiosity that genuine interest in in something because i i think that if you can if you can stop you know like as a writer if you can take a look at what you're doing and and maybe you are stuck at some point and instead of trying to just throw some kind of arbitrary tool or technique at it which you know sometimes that can help you get unstuck but also just asking yourself these questions what is this really about or what would be interesting to me to happen now at this moment right and i very often by asking yourself that question i think that that's when all kinds of really really interesting cool things can happen because we're actually just checking in with ourselves we're not we're not looking to some outside thing to give us the answer to how to do this we're not looking for how someone else did it how whatever it's like no 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 how just what forget all of that what it would what is interesting what is compelling to you what would be something that would be totally insane amazing if you saw this right what would that thing be for you and exploring into that thing, right? Trying on some different things. The next thing you know, you've got something that very often everyone else is going to find it the same way as well. But you, you only get to that by actually checking in with yourself by, and, and by really being able to pay attention to the, the things that are actually genuinely coming from you. I hope mm -hmm. that made sense. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think so. <laughs> I think so. I mean, I, I think there's the, the thing that I'm really taking away from what you're, you're pointing out. And I think this is it, you know, this is a worthwhile thing to just draw our attention to is I like how you put standing, standing, standing a chance. I feel like that's such a accurate way to put it. It's like, you want to stand a chance to actually do something meaningful and interesting and new you have to 
get away from this is how we do it. This is the way it's done. This is the way it's always been done. You know, like, yeah, like, you know, you really got to like, go like, okay, well, let me break away a little bit. And, you know, I, I, I always encourage people when they're writing their screenplays to, you know, if they have an inclination to go follow something, like pursue it, like look into it. Um, I try to give people principles and rules more principles. I, I don't, I don't like to think of them as rules, but like principles and kind of ethics to your writing in the sense that you have kind of a, an understanding of why you're doing what you're doing so that when you break away from it, you know what you're breaking away from, because I think there can be a certain amount of defiance. Like if someone told me there's these rules and you have to follow these rules and do everything by the rules, I would probably end up being very defiant to them and be like, well, let's, I want to break this rule and see if I can bend it. And I want to, I would challenge all the rules. That's just how I am. I would, cause I'd always be testing to see if that rule is solid, if it actually means anything or if it's a bunch of bullshit. Cause like, to me, I don't like bullshit rules in life or in art or in anything. And there are many people who, who are out there like, like that. But I do like principles. I like it when someone says, this is why I suggest you do this. This is like the reasoning behind it. And this is what, you know, you're, you're doing. And now if you don't do it, this is why I'm suggesting you, you maybe consider doing it because if you don't do it, these are the consequences, these are the outcomes that can happen. You know, like, uh, people don't understand a lot of the time why you shouldn't do something like for example why you should be on time a lot of people go oh what it doesn't matter you know whatever it's just like who cares you know being on time is such a fundamentally principally important thing to do and and a lot of people go well like they just don't think it matters but here's here's an example if you show up late that's something that you can control and what you're telling that person, whether they acknowledge or not, whether they're consciously aware of it or not, is that you cannot be trusted over what you can control. And if you don't believe that you're in control of your time, then you become known as someone who isn't in control. And this becomes your character. So the reason why I say be on time, and I would always suggest that to everybody, do whatever you can to not only be on time, but be early because it does a couple things for you. It shows people that you're the kind of person that controls your world, that is in control. It has a certain amount of power and prowess over their life. And for people who are out of control, they, it's a trust thing. If I can't even trust you to be on time, how can I trust you with like money and, and important things? And like, it's such a basic fucking thing. And if you can't be on time, why would anybody really trust you? And you don't know this because you, you might, you're just saying, Oh, it's just, I'm just a little late. Who cares? People are learning not to trust you, whether they will acknowledge that and say that directly or not. It is a clear act that you are untrustworthy. And people like they why you're looking at it way too serious. I'm I'm just telling you, there's a consequence to these actions that you take or don't take. Mm -hmm. And so, like, there are gonna be times where you know you're gonna be late, something's gonna happen, it just doesn't work out. 
And people, when you're on time all the time, they will call, they will ask, they will go, what's going on? Are you okay? Is everything all right? People will care because they know you to be somebody who's in control, who is, is punctual, who's on time, who keeps their word. And when all of a sudden something happens, people are surprised by it. That's what you want. You want people to be like, holy shit, something's wrong. Because for some reason they didn't, they, they weren't able to do what they normally always do. But if you're the person who's always late, People, yeah, that's just how they are, you know, and, and, and people start to not care. They start to count on you not being in control. They, they actually will respond and take actions in accordance to you. And so people go, well, it doesn't matter. It does matter. And like, so when you're doing your art, there's, there's principles, there's things that matter and you should do them. And you should know why you should do them. And you should know why, um, if you don't do them, what the consequences are. And if you do, then you begin to understand that these little things make a big difference, especially when they all add up. Um, so there's little things that, you know, you, you begin to incorporate into your process where you consistently stay true to them. Whereas other things, you know, you might bend them, but like the one about, uh, you know, and this is a little bit off topic with art, but it's the best example I have at the moment. This one about being late. It's a hard one for people to test for because you won't notice it until sometimes several meetings or several years into doing it. That it, And then to repair the damage you caused by being late all the time is so difficult to do with that person or that organization or whatever, you know? So like... There's little principles that you should learn the value of why you do them and why and the value of what would happen if you didn't and like the consequences of that. And then there's things where it's like, let's just test this out. Let's just see like if I if I, you know, if I try doing this thing, what might happen just to kind of find out, you know. But these are, you know, these are things where it's like, it's not a rule. It's just like you do it because you understand the value in doing it. And sometimes there's these things we do and it's like, you don't know the value of it. You just do it because someone told you to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where I think, you know, you got to like, go like, well, why am I following this rule or this guideline? If I don't even know why I'm doing it, you know? And, and then when, so let me try and tie this back to art, Evan, <laughs> you're doing your art. And your teacher says, you need to do this. Or someone says, you need to do this. But you don't know why. Your number one investigation should be why. That that should be, you know, you should never, in my opinion, you should never feel afraid to ask why someone is asking you to do something or why someone's suggesting you do something or telling you not to do something. You should always investigate. Why? Give me a reason. Help me understand the purpose, the meaning. You know, and if it's, if their reason is because I want you to, because I told you to, because they want to control you, that's a shitty reason and you should maybe not do it. But if it's because there's some really good value behind it and it really makes sense and resonates with you, then, then you're going to be doing it out of ethic, out of purpose, out of, out of a sense of, you know, principle. Right. And so I think like, as we're, we're, you know, as we're going through this conversation, there are certain principles that we stay true to, but there are certain things where it's like, 
this is not a hard and fast rule. This is a flex area where it's like, if you want to go off a little bit off topic, that's okay. Let's do it a little bit. But eventually the principle is let's try to bring it back to a point. Let's not just lose ourselves. Let's not just abandon everything. If we catch on to something, let's try to, you know, tie it, tie it back in because otherwise, like why be in, why even follow or listen to this podcast? Why listen to this conversation, right? Like you want some through line. You don't want to just be two guys randomly talking about nothing because <laughs> you're here for some reason, even if it's just to hear our voices, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, I wouldn't be so bold as to say that's why you're here, but there are certain people where sometimes I just like to hear them talk and that's interesting enough. But for the most part, I think people listen to something because they have a little bit of a reason of some sort. And if we're too random, if we're too chaotic, then it's like, maybe we can't deliver on what they're here for, right? And at the end of the day, I think we're trying to explore something. That's our goal. And if we're too chaotic, we explore nothing. So I think at the end of the day, the the kind of the point is, let's what are we exploring here? I think that's really what we're always asking, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, sir, I feel like we should probably wrap this one up. All right, sir. <laughs> so you're the only one with yeah. the beer today. Cause... Okay, well, yeah, we took turns this week. Um, yeah. So, Evan, I'm having a beer, and you're not going to believe what kind of beer I'm having. You're you having never, a sour? Yeah. You're drinking never a sour. Never have sours. Wow. I know. And I'm always like, there's only a few that I like, um, <laughs> which, has been, which has always been really true. But this one, this one's been great. It's been really good. I've really liked it. I always love peach. So I knew that peach was already a winning, winning element. And this one's called, this is by Phillips Brewing uh, and Malting Co. Um, and it's called the Dino Sour, Stone Fruit Sour. Um, and it's it's delicious, man. It's like, uh, it's actually, I, I could probably, it's, it's, it's tame enough as a sour where I find it's like, it's good. But it's kind of like having a fuzzy peach candy a little bit. And uh, I could probably even have two of these beers and I would probably be, I wouldn't be fed up with it. Because usually with a sour, I'm like, okay, one, and then I got to move on to something else if I even yeah. have a sour. But this sour is, uh, when I took my first sip, I was like, wow, this is really tasty. And it's good, not too overwhelming. I think they got a good balance with the sour and like just the tasty beer. It's a little bit like having a Bellini as well, <laughs> but a little more sour. But if you like that kind of thing, I definitely recommend it. It's been, it was just a, you know, was one of those things. I got to try it, try something different today. I've so. definitely, I've, I've seen that one around and I've never, I've never tried it. So maybe next time I see it, I will, I will give it the old, the old college try. Yeah. Take a chance. It's good. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Yep. Well, you got any final thoughts? I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I, I always enjoy these conversations because they're, I, I, I find that they're in many ways the most surprising off because they they lead to some sort of of yeah unexpected awareness because there's not necessarily an end goal to it. And I mean I wouldn't say that even our conversations that we have where we have a 
a sort of a direction, a topic that we're coming in with to to discuss because we've I very often find myself having a lot of new awarenesses around things that we know that we're talking about. But these ones, you know, because we're not because we don't have necessarily that piece of direction and and we're just having an opportunity to to yeah just play and explore and 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 see what what comes out it's it is in some ways more surprising when when there's these things and i think that in this one what was interesting to me was how is this thing of of how you can get you can get stuck one way or the other. You know, you can get stuck by being too freeform. You can get stuck by being too technical, which was probably the more, the more surprising thing to me, which is that, yeah, when you get too technical, you just, it's like, you just, you just outthink yourself to, Mm. in, in a way to being able to, yeah, like make something truly artful and that, those questions of like, okay, well, what is this really all about? Or, or just even following however, however small of a thread it is of something that's like, well, that's kind of interesting. Right. And just, and just following that thread. Well, that's kind of interesting. And let's just go down that route. Let's just go and, and, let's just go and see what's there and how that can just open up all kinds of, of possibilities and is that sort of inviting of that other thing, you know, that other thing of just like, just, you know, it's not rocket science, right? I think that that's, that's the thing sometimes you're just like, look, look, this it's creativity and artistry is not, rocket science you know yes there's there are are things that it that are important to plan and prepare for yourself but you can shoot yourself in the foot just as easily with all of that and that sometimes it's just the simplest questions that actually kind of write the ship Right. You know, it's kind of, it's actually, I'm seeing the, the thread now, you know, like where we start with the, the whole acting thing. It's just like, don't do anything. Right. Stop. Listen. Pay attention. Stop trying to force this thing. Stop trying to will, will your way through, through this or will your way to a solution. Just stop. Listen. Be quiet for a second. Right. Okay. What is this really about? What is this really, what is really interesting? What, what did I actually set out to do in the first place? Why was I interested in this thing in the first place? Like what connect to that, like come back to the voice, come back to that, that voice that you, that's inside of you and, and give that thing an opportunity to, because it's been shoved off to the corner. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, because it's like, okay, we're done with you. We're, we're now into the, into the business and the, and the mechanics <laughs> of it. Right. I'm just like, yeah. no, don't sh- you, like, don't ever shove it off in the corner. It's all about just integrating it. So come back to those, those, those simple questions and, 
and I think that those are the things that that we often lose sight of and are are the most important thing that we have to work at making sure that it's it's not lost mm. well I really liked how you wrapped that up man that was that was nice because it's making me feel an inspiration to get back into writing. And I think that one of the things I love about writing is finding myself in a corner and then figuring a way out of it. I feel like that's where the most creativity and the best, the best stuff kind of comes out it, and technique I find is often, you know, I said this earlier on the podcast, but I'll say it again is often a response to trying to solve a problem that you find yourself in where it's like, I could even imagine, not that I have a lot of experience with this, but I could even imagine if it was painting, the brushstroke you're using might not be accomplishing what you're trying to get, right? And so you are you might learn a new technique and then you realize, oh, okay, hey, I can achieve this by doing it this way. And so I'm reminded of a, a screenplay I was writing very early on in my career. And um, I had read a bunch of screenwriting books at this point, one of them being... Sid Field's screenplay, which was helpful. But I picked up Sid Field's other book called Sid Field's Problem Screenwriting Sol Problem Solver or Problem Solver, something, something along those lines. And it gave me so many solutions. And I just reworked that script with that book. And I made so many notes. And it it's one of the most important books I read, particularly because it was so useful for me because it really just helped me solve a lot of problems and figure out solutions to things. And, you know, and I learned a lot of technique from it, but through direct application on an actual script, it wasn't like a casual read, like, Oh, it's a good idea. You know, those are some nice things. It was like, shit, this works. Like, wow, this is really cool. Wow. This is so effective. Like if there's this one tool I'll just share just to give people context. Cause sometimes that's valuable is there's this one thing he suggests called the circle of influence. And it was perfect for my script which basically something happens earlier in that character's life, which creates a circle of influence in their life. It influences other things that happen. So in this particular story, this guy was kind of a teenager and he was becoming a, a drug dealer and he was kind of like, things were blossoming in his life that way. But his mom had died. His circle of influence, I decided, was his mom had died of an overdose, which really informed how he was about selling drugs and, and his moral and ethical conflicts around that. Whereas like his buddy who was selling didn't care. And it created this really interesting character dynamic just because that had happened. But it was a technique I used to help me find the path to an interesting story development idea. And it, it's filled with tons of things like that. But I found that to be such an effective book. And I guess my point is, is, you know, as we're wrapping up this conversation is, that whole thing of like, when you kind of just put yourself out there and try something, you end up inevitably with problems and challenges because you maybe didn't think it all out at first, but maybe that's exactly what you want. Like, this is the thing that I'm kind of thinking is maybe you actually want to put yourself into challenging problematic situations so that you can figure out how to solve them, because that's actually the point, not to preemptively solve them so you never run into them, but actually to preemptively try to run into them or dare, 
not even know what you're going to run into and then go like, okay, now I'm going to get creative about figuring the shit out. I just put myself in. (laughs) So I think uh, moving forward from this podcast, I'm going to kind of run with that, try it out creatively in my life and just, you know, play with that because it was actually such an important uh, period in my life as a screenwriter. It actually changed the game for me was I had a script. It wasn't quite working the way I wanted. I read this book. It helped me to start to solve those problems. It gave me some solutions and then I applied them. And then I learned probably more about writing during that time with that script than probably really any other time in my career. So yeah, I don't know if you're hearing that, if that lands with you, try it out. That's what I'll do as well. Thank you for listening in on our conversation today. We hope you found something helpful that you can carry forward with you. Head over to our website, wayoftheartist.com, for more free exclusive material and learn about the show. If you haven't already, please support us by subscribing to the show, sharing it with people you know, and keeping compassionate, creative conversation going.